This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. And welcome to another show. I am Seb Lozier, and this week I'm delighted to say we scale the dizzy heights of the game. Earlier in the week, I was joined by one of the game's finest players, Dominic Team. We spoke for half an hour, and you're going to hear it all from his proudest achievements, his biggest rivals, growing up in Austria to now working with current coach Nicola Massu. We even got on to his great love of Chelsea Football Club. But in this era still of the big three, we started with his current career-high ranking of world number three. Unfortunately, the ranking is frozen, but <laughs> but uh, no, it's amazing. It's been, a, it's been a while that I didn't have a new career-high ranking and getting number three, I think was after Dubai or something, was, was a great feeling, yeah. A big factor in that rise has been your form on the clay, two Roland Garros finals in a row, increasingly your form on the hard courts as well, reigning Indian Wells champion, of course. And we'll talk all about that, I hope, and also manage to get on to the young Dominic team and, and those first steps you took in the game. But first, let's talk about the here and now. How have you been during lockdown? It's obviously been a tough time for everyone. And, and how are you right now? I'm fine. Uh, thanks a lot. I mean, uh, we are, I think, pretty privileged in Austria with the situation because uh, we had like, I think, five weeks lockdown, but uh, we are allowed to practice since uh, the 20th of April, which is, uh, which was, I think, six weeks ago. So I'm, I'm out of, out on the court since uh, six weeks again, practicing and uh, since one and a half weeks we are having this national tournament in, uh, here in Austria, which is, uh, of course, an amazing opportunity. The 16 uh, best players of Austria are competing uh, without any crowd, but still the, the daily routine is, is coming back slowly. Yeah. Six weeks, that, that's going to put you probably way ahead of, of other players. How tough was it to get back into it? How, do you feel okay now? I feel okay. I mean, during lockdown, I was doing some exercising in the apartment, uh, going for a run outside for a little bit. But still, I mean, was, I think, for the first time in my life that I haven't played tennis for six weeks. So the whole body was hurting. Uh, every single muscle was hurting. I was really surprised that this is possible. I mean, it's, it's a movement. It's a game which I was playing a thousand days, a thousand times already. And still it was so painful in every muscle when I was uh, starting to play again. So that was, that was pretty surprising. But um, after four or five days, everything was pretty normal again. Talk to me a bit more about this local tournament, because I mean, it's, it's easy to say that you, you know, you must be the best player there. But I mean, how, how important is it simply just to be out on the court right now and, and playing any kind of tennis? It's very nice and uh, it's, it's also amazing from the from the guys who helped to organize it because um, it went pretty quick actually and uh, some sponsors came in and uh, there was straight away a court and of course we have to follow many rules, uh, no ball kits, only one referee, no handshake, uh, many things we have to follow. But um, all the players from Austria, all the best ones, they were straight away willing to play. And uh, it was also important for 
all of us, I guess, because in the first weeks we were practicing without any goal, without any future, basically. But um, from the moment on, it was clear that there is this tournament happening. We had a goal again and we were practicing for something again. And other players have been playing locally as well. I know the guys in, in France, I think, have been playing. I, I think the, the guys in the Balkan states have been playing. Novak has this charity tournament in mid-June. You've got your own invitational in, in July. Are you looking forward to this? I mean, how, how much have you as top players been talking amongst yourselves to get all of these things up and running? I think we all want to play and of course we all want to see each other again and um, I'm looking forward a lot to to see Nova, Grigor and uh, Sasha next week already. It's the first time also I, I will go abroad since since a while. So that's great and uh, all of all of the top players are organizing some events because it's also helping uh, many other players as here in Austria. I think it's a great chance for the lower ranked players to compete against uh, against me against Denis Novak and it's the same international and it's great that the tournaments like that are happening your brother in the draw he's in there as well yeah yeah what have you been told about the travel you mentioned the travel that you're going to have to do to get to you know the tournament that's that's coming up the Novak's tournament that's probably interesting and important for everyone right now i mean how, how difficult and how restricted and how controlled is that going to be do you know i don't know so much about it but i think it's uh, the situation is relaxing a little bit uh, here in europe in austria the, the borders to italy they opened up already the borders to germany i think opened up already but uh, how it's going to be when i travel there i don't know but there's for sure going to be pretty strict controls on the border and everything. And I, I also, I don't know yet if I go by car, if I go by plane, there are still some, some things which I have to organize, but I hope that everything is going uh, without uh, issues. Well, the best of luck with that. Let's let's talk about your achievements, though, in the game, because, I mean, since your first title, I think in Nice, right up to now, Grand Slam finals, Tour finals, Indian Wells champion, finally winning on home soil, you know, let's touch on them all. But um, I mean, I'm sure they're all special in their own way. What's been your biggest achievement, though, to date? What, what feels, you know, and I'm sure you've had a lot of time to think about it over the last couple of months. What, what feels like the biggest thing that you've achieved? I think that maybe the Australian Open Finals was, was the biggest achievement so far, playing-wise, because uh, I had to overcome some big issues, I mean, off the court, on the court, so it was not was not easy at all these two weeks there. And uh, I was beating three top 10 guys in a row, like Gael, um, Rafa and Sasha, and then lost to the best player who ever played in Australia, Novak, in five very close sets. So that was unbelievable tournament and, and maybe the best I have ever played. And uh, emotionally, I guess that the, the title in Vienna last year was, was the biggest achievement because, I mean, I, I've been to this tournament from a three-year-old kid and uh, I, I made all the steps uh, the first time. ATP qualies I played there. My first win in ATP main draw came there. And I think I played it already for the 10th or 11th time. And it uh, was full arena every single match. The, the atmosphere was just stunning. And 
to really lift the trophy at the end of the week was uh, just something which I still cannot realize for, for 100%. What's the best tennis you feel you've played in a tournament? I think it was in, in Australia this year. I really put all, all the things together. Um, baseline, I was coming in much more, was serving very good, returning very good. So probably that was the, the best tennis I've played so far. I'm intrigued to ask about the oh-so-nearlies. You know, you talk about the Australian, there's obviously been two Roland Garros finals as well. How much do these matches linger with you or, or do you just park them, get on to it and say, right, we move on? Do you think about the losses? How, how much do you learn from them, I guess? Uh, Australia was, was very painful. I, I was struggling uh, quite a long time with, with, with this loss because, to be honest... Um, in the in the French Open finals, I mean, last year was four sets, okay, but still I was pretty far away from from the from winning the title. But in Australia, I mean, I was two one sets up. I had a break point in the in the fourth, so that came up many times in my mind. What would have happened if and and all these these questions, and uh, it was painful, I have to say, for for quite a while, but. On the other hand, I mean, lost twice against Rafa in French Open and against Novak in Australia. I've lost against the, the greatest players who, who ever played tennis. So I also was, this was coming up to my mind and then it was a little bit easier to, to digest that losses. You mentioned two, two of the, the big three there. You've also beaten Roger, of course, um, in Indian Wells. Um, that one, who do you consider to be your, your biggest rival? I think the the biggest rivals are are more coming from my generation or from from the younger players like with uh, Stefanos and Sasha. I have a, a a very nice rivalry, but also with all three of the big three. I think I played uh, seven times against Roger, eleven times against Novak, and fourteen times against Rafa, which is quite a big number against all of of them three. And I really enjoy the matches against them, against the big three and also against Stefanos, against Sasha, because they are just the, the best player that the world has. And uh, it's, it's very enjoyable and great to compete with them. And you win or you lose, but in, in every match you experience a lot and you learn a lot for your game. And it's, it's great, yeah. And, and your recent form against the big three is is very good. I mean, you look at your recent matches against Roger, you've got a winning record recently. Do, do you feel like you're now on a par with these guys? I mean, world number three, starting to really sort of turn the clock on them? I try. I mean, it's it's important that, that we put pressure on them. Um, I, mean, I think of for, for, for the statistics and for the titles, I mean, they are so far ahead. And I think that, or I'm pretty sure I, I won't catch them. But... Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing for me and for sure also for, for everybody else that uh, I grew up watching them on TV and thinking how good are these players. And I will never be able to play like on this on this level. And, and then slowly I came up on, on the tour, starting to compete against them. And then at the end, starting to even beat them in the biggest stages of the tournament. So that's already a great thing. And... Of course, I hope that we can uh, be the the hairs of them uh, very soon. 
How have you done that, though? I mean, talking about your game, you know, where have you really improved, do you think, in order to be beating them fairly, fairly regularly now, consistently? Yeah, of course, you you have to have the game. Uh, I think I have many weapons which I can hurt them with, which is very important. And uh, then also the, the mental part is a big thing. To beat them, it's only possible if you go on court and have to believe 100%. And this only comes with experience because the first time I was playing against them, I, I was just happy to be on court with them and just be happy to not lose 6-0, 6-0. And then with more matches against them, the belief that you can really beat them comes very slowly. And uh, that's how it is. Every time I step on court now, I, I really believe 100% that I can beat them. And But it's a pretty long process and it's it's a lot of experience. I know you must get asked this question all the time. Um, I, in fact, I was going to ask you where you think your next big title, major title will come. But having heard what you said about Australia, I'll rephrase it. Where do you want your first major to come? I, mean, I, I really don't care. I don't care at all. I, I just hope that it, it will come one day. <laughs> That's the biggest wish. I love all four of them, so I couldn't care less. As long as it happens. I'm sure it will happen. You are listening to the world number three, Dominic Team. Um, Dom, one thing we never really get to do with with the TV interviews, because they're all so short and sweet, I guess, is to find a little bit more about you, about your backstory. We've seen how involved your father is um, with with your coaching. We've seen him in, in London. Um, we know your your mother, I, I believe, plays and coaches tennis too. Your brother's a player. Was, was it always tennis in your household? Was it you know was it inevitable that you were going to be a tennis player from a from a young age? Yeah, I mean that was never in doubt, I guess, because especially when when I was a baby or when I was really young, my my parents they were both tennis coaches. They had a tennis school, so they brought me there. To the to the club to the courts almost every day when I was young, so that was the only choice I had. What are your earliest memories? Do you do you remember certain things from those days? Uh, yeah, I mean I remember many things. I mean they they were always having uh, tennis camps in summer in Vienna, and for me it was nice to be with all the kids to play from I don't know seven in the morning until four, and then come home completely tired and then the next day again and this for the whole summer vacations uh, it's very nice uh, childhood memories who was in charge of the routine in your house who was it who got you all where you needed to be on time i uh, was also my mom for sure <laughs> yeah because my dad he took care of, of the the sports of, of the tennis and the other things, if if I was lazy uh, or if I or the school, he didn't care so much. So for that, my mom, she she put everything in the right way. From seven or eight, you you met Gunter Bresnik, the man who would ultimately be your coach for for a very long time. How quickly did that relationship kind of develop, and and um, how quickly, I guess, did you start to think that you know this was going to be what you'd do? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning with seven or eight, it was pretty light because I mean, we were practicing two, three times a week. And then with 11, 12, it, it started to get very professional. I think it's also 
the way it is in, in tennis that you have to start pretty early to practice a lot, to play a lot of tennis. So with 11, 12, I, I started to play every day to, to, to start to think about a professional career. And uh, to be honest, it was also the only profession I was thinking of because it was also the only one I, I knew from a very early age on. And uh, with, with 12, I, I switched from a two-handed backhand to a one-handed backhand. And uh, this was like the sign that I'm really going to try everything I have to become a professional player to make tennis uh, my profession one day. Why did you make that choice to go from a two-hander to a single-hander? I, I, I'm pleased you did because it's a, it's a thing of beauty, but it's a t- it, was it a tough decision? I mean, I didn't, I didn't uh, decide it. It was all my coach because <laughs> with, with, with 11, with 12, you're just too young to decide anything about technique, to decide anything about your tennis. So it was his decision and obviously, I mean, it was a, it was a good one. Was it tough? I mean, do you, do you remember at the time how, how long it took? To, was it a struggle changing? It was tough, yeah, because I, the, the, some weeks before I started to switch, I became Austrian champion under 12 and I was winning pretty, not, not easy, but I was the best player there. And uh, then when I switched to one-handed backhand, out of a sudden, my game had one side where I only made mistakes, where, where I was just not good. So the two following years, two, three following years were tough because I, I think I dropped out of the top 10 in my age group in Austria. And it took quite a while until I was starting to win matches again. But uh, in the same same time as a 12, 13-year-old, you don't think so much. So I, I don't really remember that. Wow, that must have made you also want to make your backhand as good as it could possibly be. If it, if it, did it at the time, did it feel like a genuine weakness? Were, were you having to were you having to accommodate it? It felt like a complete weakness, like a shot who isn't what isn't there. So at the beginning, it was was not nice. I was I hated my backhand. <laughs> Incredible. Um, what kind of coach was Gunter back then and what kind of coach was he throughout because I know he he did play a, a pretty big role in your career didn't he exactly I mean he I think he saw uh, from a very early age on what player I should be when I'm 18 19 and uh, what a tennis player uh, has to has to play what game style he has to play to be successful in uh, today's men's tennis and we were starting to practice this this game style from a very early age on like the aggressive game style to be offensive to to have weapons all of the top players they have a they have an amazing work ethic i mean otherwise you cannot come to the top and uh, you just need a certain work ethic to to get to the top, I think, in, in any sports. More recently, another mentor has been your current coach, Nicola Massou, who seems to have had a huge influence. Talk to me a little bit about what you've taken from, from Nico. Nico, he, we started to work when I was in a very difficult situation in, in, my, in my career, yeah, because 
it was right after the after I split up with with Gunther, uh, which was of course uh, very tough time tennis wise, but also private wise because we were together for more than 15 years. And uh, Nico, he helped me so much through these these tough times, and uh, also he helped me a lot to raise my game to a new level. I mean, it's amazing how how much I improved and how many things I improved since we are working together. So um, that's especially on on other surfaces than 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 clay court. I think that uh, last year. With him, I made a huge step forward, and uh, he has such a big uh, percentage on that. Uh, I'm really thankful for that. And well, I haven't seen him for uh, quite a long time now, so I'm, I'm really happy when he's back and we can when we can work, start to work again. In terms of Nico, Nico, it's plain to see when, when you're at a, a tournament. You know, I was in Rio with, with you earlier in the year, and. Now we've seen in other tournaments just what he gives you from the corner as well. He's he's a warrior, isn't he? he? You can see in his eyes how how much it means to him, and that must mean so much to you as well. Exactly. I mean, he's giving so much positive energy from the box, and uh, that was something I experienced for the first time when when he was sitting in my box for for the first time. And uh, he's a very positive uh, character in general. And then South American, who are who have this fire inside them, and uh, I need I needed a lot of times to to get energy from outside because I'm I'm pretty calm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty relaxed, sometimes too relaxed. So I think with Nico, it's a very good combination. I was going to say you you seem to have had a bit more of a killer instinct. Has has he has he encouraged you to to be more ruthless and to maybe go forward and kill more than you would have done uh yeah maybe a little bit i mean i, I always was giving everything to win and i always had a pretty good killer instinct i would say but maybe he was giving me this uh, one two extra percent yeah just finally on on the um the recent times you have had your injury troubles and and illnesses as well uh, how tough has that been and uh, you know, do you, I mean, obviously you, you don't know, do you? We all hope that you're uh, you're through all of your your injuries and illnesses. But how tough is that when it comes? And you know, how good are you at dealing with that and just taking it as as part of of the game? With injuries, I'm super lucky with my body. I think I have a great physio who is taking care of me amazingly, and I think the body in general is is just great because I didn't have any serious injury so far in my career and uh, the, the illnesses are a little bit more of a problem because I had some issues I mean not not big issues but just at the wrong time like uh, US Open last year and this shouldn't happen that to get sick or to get ill uh, before big tournaments like the US Open or Grand Slam tournaments but it's also experience i mean the the tour is very tough with all the traveling with the jet lag with being on the limit almost every week week in week out so uh, it's it's a big thing of experience the, the more experience you get i guess the more relaxed you are and of course that i hope that uh, the, it's getting better and at least that i don't get ill 
before big tournaments because sometimes uh, the body ha has to have a break as well and it's it's okay and it's good to be ill sometimes do you think it was maybe just a little bit of burnout from playing too much we are always on on the limit and a little bit above the limit and if it's getting a little bit too much the the body the system breaks down but that's how it is in a professional sport especially in a professional sport which is played on on such a high level like tennis uh, where where you have to travel that much competing with amazing guys uh, week in week out and uh a big thing for the body and for the mind and it's pretty tough to deal with when it's not tennis 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 um we know you're a big chelsea fan how how, how much of a chelsea fan are you you know come on give, give us give us an idea are you watching the reserve team games i don't know no but, <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm a very big fan already since uh, 2004 which is 16 years already now it's a very long time and I love it and I'm also I'm suffering now when, when there is no Premier League, when there are no Premier League games. And uh, yeah, Chelsea is my big love, but in general, I, I really enjoy football. I watch many games, uh, all games basically of the Premier League and uh, try to play myself as well. But it's nice to, to have like a relationship to, to a club because something outside tennis where you can hold on to. Somebody told me you started up your own club. Is that true? I did, yeah. I mean, we were playing a lot of uh, matches just to to have fun and everything. And uh, I think three or four years ago, we, we founded that, that football club. But uh, honestly, now, uh, with, with all the traveling and all this, it's tough to keep it up. But I think after my career, maybe I will take care a little bit more of that. In terms of other stuff, I mean, I know everyone talks about environmental issues and, you know, says that they're important, but you do seem to have a genuine interest for it. You know, scanning down your Twitter feed, you're retweeting, you know, uh, from, you know, Four Ocean or WWF. And I know you were a big, you're quite active in, in making the, the tour finals as, as sustainable as, as they can be. How easy is it for a tennis player to, you know, to, to get involved in that sort of stuff though? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's not easy as a tennis player because obviously we are flying around so much. So we are not the perfect role models, <laughs> but uh, still, I, I really, I love the environment. I, I love animals. So I, I try to help as much as I can. I have some, some projects in Austria where I was also involved now in the, in the lockdown or in the time where it wasn't possible to travel. Um, was, was, I'm, I'm very involved in a project with the white-tailed eagles who, who are back in Austria, hmm. which, is, uh, which is amazing. And uh, then I'm also, of course, really involved in the uh, plastic issues in the ocean with, with four ocean and also together with Adidas. And I think it's, it's important as, as athletes or as famous people to be a role model for, for things like that, because I mean, planet earth is very beautiful and it's, it's super important to keep it like that. When tennis does get back up and running, um, what would be the tournament that you're most looking forward to getting, getting back to? Well, I mean, it would be amazing if, if Vienna could, could happen normally with a full crowd. 
that would be an absolute dream. But the reality is probably, initially at least, and I guess you're seeing it at the moment, you're going to be behind closed doors for, for a little while. Um, what is that like, just so that, you know, to give people an idea? It must be odd. Uh, yeah, something very important is missing, uh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's one quite big part why we play for the atmosphere and for the fans. But on the other hand, we all started playing tennis. We all started playing tournaments without any fans. I mean, when, when, when I started playing with 12, 13 in tournaments, there are never fans. So we are all used to that. We are all also used to play without ball kits because uh, we are practicing every day without ball kits and until a certain age anyway, there are no ball kits. So something is missing, but at the same time, it's, uh, we are all used to, to play without crowd, without ball kits, so it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But of course, I mean, we all hope that it's possible for the crowd, for the people to come back into the stadium as, as soon as possible. Yeah, this whole thing must have, I guess, made you realise how much you appreciate the game. What have you missed the most that you're looking forward to to getting back to? Definitely going into a full stadium, hear the fans, uh, the feeling of winning, of course. I, I miss a lot. Uh, also the suffering after, uh, after a loss. would be nice to experience soon again. <laughs> and then... Uh, um, I really, I mean, I also miss the tour. I mean, I miss all the guys, all the players. I have a good relationship with basically all of them. And uh, it's strange because you see them week in, week out, probably 45 weeks a year. And now since three weeks, nothing. So I uh, hope to see them soon again. And And just finally, I mean, it sounds like if you've had a fair bit of tennis under your belt, with those two Grand Slams coming, hopefully, fairly close together, you know, in, in the States and then Roland Garros, could be uh, in with a shout. You know, you could put yourself in a, a pretty good position. You, you confident that you can um, you do something special? Uh, I am, yeah, but uh, honestly, it's, it's a very far away still until, uh, I mean, it's not even sure if and when it's happening. So now I'm practicing for, for all the show tournaments which are coming up and I uh, haven't thought yet about the Grand Slams or about the real tournaments yet. My thanks to world number three, Dominic Team. He is one of the game's real gents and it was, I have to say, an absolute pleasure. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Twitter for all the latest on who's coming up next. That is at ATP tennis radio you could even request a player and we'll do our very best to make it happen next week i'll be joined by the former coach of andy murray and grigor dimitrov now working with stan the man warinka and carolina pliskova that is danny valvadu always fascinating talking with danny for now though this has been the atp tennis radio podcast thank you for listening If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. Review.